And now, another cup of... The London Fog. It's another recording of The London Fog. We're back. Yes, we are. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> are you ready for this? I think, what are we at? Like, cup six? I don't remember. I think it's, I think it's six. I've been labeling my notes. Oh, <laughs> I was going through the files trying to keep them organized, and I've just, like, lost count. I don't know. I'm just not very organized just yet. How did you name them, then? I, well, because I've been editing them so much, like... And trying to figure out things, it's been a learning curve. I feel like I repeat saying like cup one, cup one, cup one, cup one, like nine times. And then when I go on to the next one, it's, I don't know. I just don't know. We're on six. Sure. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) Unless, unless due to all of our editing, they are out of order. I know. Ooh, no. No, they'll be in order. (laughs) It's going to be great. I mean, okay. I just wanted to like throw that disclaimer out there in case. Right. And just, just warn people that things could be, things could be could messy. Be, yes. Yes, um, they could. Okay. So there are a lot of crumbs on your table. Sorry. <laughs> I like put my hand down and it was covered in crumbs. I'm Let's just going to. Just move that move onto that the over side. Here. Okay. So um, now everyone knows. No, just yeah, Exactly. That my kitchen table is messy. Um, before we even begin. I just need to let the world know that Downton Abbey is stupid and addictive. Well, we already knew that. I just can't. <laughs> Everyone in the world knew this before you. So I started rewatching it also because <laughs> Kate started watching. Well, I guess not rewatching also because she already watched. She hasn't watched it. I have not. I'm rewatching it. And it's just as good the second time. <laughs> just as good around. I have gotten to the part where I don't hear. How about this? I feel like I've gone so many years with the show being over, but didn't know anything about it. Which is weird. Nothing. Not a thing. So, or maybe people were saying things, but I didn't know anything about it, so I didn't remember nor care. I'm so tempted to give you so many spoilers. (laughs) Because now I'm in it to win it. But, so now I don't want to, like, say more spoilers, because what happens... If There's my nobody listening to this podcast, bullshit, you came back it. to listen again because of my influence. But yeah, but everyone's <laughs> already seen it. That's what I'm saying. Like some people may choose to watch it again, but oh, nobody's man. not seen it. Oh come on! Okay. Speaking of good British TV, have you watched Peaky Blinders? I have not. Oh. You need to get into that. I feel like everybody knows everything on, like, Netflix and probably, like, Amazon Prime. So if people can bring me, like, suggestions that are off those lists, then I'm more interested. But you haven't even watched them, so I feel like you can't say that. I'm not really interested. But you thought you were interested in Downton I years, and you got into it. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Always behind the curve. Um, yeah. It's just... It's, how far am I? I've just started the fourth season. You're and going through this way too quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just now like rip-roaring through it. But why is it that when, ev- when anybody has a baby, somebody else has to die? Because you know? there has to be death for life. <laughs> it's the circle of life. Have you never watched The Lion King? Sir Elton John taught us this. Wait, did he do Lion King? I don't know. <laughs> 
Elton John. Yeah. No. Maybe. Who <laughs> did Lion King? I don't know. I feel like Elton John is somehow involved. Tim, Tim Rice, right? Yeah, and but I mean, did he like yeah. sing something for I don't know. It? I don't know. I don't know why. We're so off I mean, it's definitely today. Tim Rice. Okay, anyway. Right. Okay, let's Nobody like cares. focus in today. Because I find that sometimes focus. you listen to those other podcasts and they just chit chat forever about shit you don't care about until they finally get to like storytelling time. That's true, but you brought up Downton. I know. I just needed to catch people up. If people are all like, is Kate still watching Downton? No one cares. I know, because they've all seen it. They're okay. <laughs> so, this week, we've decided to talk to you about some British authors, which we've learned is a very vague topic. Yeah. Difficult, difficult to come up with. I mean, like, even a few episodes back when I talked kind of about Charles Dickens and yeah. his wife, like... And just, like, one little plug yeah, in there. Like that, that took forever. And that should have been, like, I don't know. I yeah. tried to give someone's whole life story today, and I'm like, no, I should have found a scandal in their life. And yeah. that should have been the thing yeah. I talked about. Because I feel, I agree, I feel like maybe we'll have to get better at authors. Because there's definitely so many, like, literary giants in British literature that we need to definitely cover them. But... It's just so broad. Yeah. There's so many places to go with it. I think from now on we should do like authors and their love affairs. Which I kind of got into with mine. <laughs> that's apparently all or I'm interested in. Or how about authors and their books, right? <laughs> well, but see, that's too hard because that's what I was going to try to do. And then I'm like, okay, every like, well, not every, but most well-known British authors have like 20 different books and then like 12 different books of poetry. And you're like... Do you just pick a book and talk about it? Because that's boring. People can just read the freaking book. We're not a book review podcast. Right. Go go get your, like, what were those things that you used to use in high school when you didn't want to read the book? I was never that lazy. Whatever. (laughs) But I know that you're talking about Cliff Notes or Spark Notes. Cliff Notes. Spark Notes. Those things. I don't even remember the name. (laughs) I didn't even know if they were still in business, but. I think it was Cliff Notes were the printed books. And mm-hmm. then Spark Notes was the online thing. So I'm guessing Spark Notes is still around. Probably. I mean, Cliff Notes are probably still around. They just probably have gone now gone digital. to dot com. Yeah. Right? Mm. Anyway, guys, read the book. Don't be so lazy. Don't be so lazy. <laughs> okay, well, let's chit-chat. Okay. Let's first just say, who did you do? Thomas Hardy. Thomas Hardy, nice. Happy. I did Mary Shelley. Oh, so they're kind of contemporaries. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, right? Mm, I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean... When was Mary Shelley? We will talk about it. I ooh, I don't even have my notes open. I was trying to get the computer ready for this. Uh, she was... I mean, she was born in 1797, died in 1851. And what we know her for is Frankenstein. That was 1818. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. so she's before Thomas Hardy by like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about, okay, so do you find, if yours is a love story, you um, should. It's, it's not really. It's sad and tragic. Okay, well, my whole thing is just sad. Just sad. So <laughs> who should go first? Um, I don't remember. I couldn't remember what cup we're on. I'm pretty sure I went first last time. Okay. Although I don't know. I really don't remember. Okay, I'll go first. Now we'll keep better track. This is the sixth cup. 
Kate's going first. It doesn't matter because we interrupt each other a lot, so I it's know. like we're both going it's first. It's true. Okay. Although I don't know that much about Mary Shelley, so maybe I won't interrupt you as much. That was kind of me because at first I was going to do somebody else. I won't say who because maybe it'll... Well, I can say. I was going to do Lord Byron. Mm. Um, oh, now he's got some juicy stuff to talk right. about. Right, and that's why I was <laughs> like, there's so much here. But then I kind of just stumbled across Mary Shelley while doing the Lord Byron stuff. And I was all like, I don't know that much about her. I just know Frankenstein. You know, you were forced to read it in the 10th grade or something. Um, but then I just kind of got transfixed by her life and just kind of followed that rabbit hole down a very dark and morbid place. Yeah. I mean, all I know about her is dark and morbid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> how about this? Mary Shelley, or Godwin was her given name was born August 30th of 1797. She was the daughter to, what is her name? Mary Wollstonecraft. Mary Wollstonecraft. Yeah, yes. the feminist. I love her. Right? And her father was William Godwin. Her mom was a... Nobody cares about him. No, just <laughs> Nobody cared. Um, he was a political, like, philosopher, and her mom was uh, one of the first people to write, uh, advocate women's rights, and wrote a whole bunch of novels and pamphlets and treaties. Uh, treatises? Treatises. <laughs> to um, support women's rights, and she was kind of a rebel herself, I guess. She took a young lover soldier at a young age and actually... Mary had a half-sister. Um, what was her name? Oh, I'll find it. Whatever. So, she had a half-sister. Her mom was never married before, but then she got married. So, that was already scandalous for probably early 1800s, you know? Mm -hmm. So, or mid-1700s, what am I saying? So, her mom dies less than a year after she's born. And her dad just kind of encourages her to get a good, rich education, but he never really censored any schools. Uh, with him being a philosopher, he was pretty much a radical and just gave her a lot of reading, but that was about it. Uh, within a short amount of time, his dad got remarried. Her dad? Yeah, her dad. Okay. Uh, William Godwin. He got remarried uh, to a woman that also had like two daughters and she so, hated her stepmom when her mom died mm -hmm. did her dad raise the half sister also with her yeah hmm, that's nice of him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so very sweet didn't like shove her off at some school or give her to some other like relative that's what i was thinking might have happened right so mary then grows up a little older it's 1814, and she meets Percy Shelley. Which, how old, how much older than her is he? He's older than her, right? Not by tons. Like, she, he's 21 when they meet. Oh, okay. And she's, like, 16. So, I thought it was going to be kind of just because of high school, like, learning or whatever. I thought it was like, oh, my gosh, he's, like, 40. Yeah, that's she's what I thought. She's a kid. It really wasn't that much. Yeah. From what I could figure um, but scandal, he's already married. Mm, of course. Right? He's just <laughs> one of the political followers that kind of meets with his dad's, like, radical group. They get together, talk about X, Y, and Z. 
uh, different science, math, politics, blah. <laughs> so exciting. You can tell how much I am into politics. So he, he meets Mary through her father by just coming to the house. They uh, start kind of this dark romance. It is said that she lost her virginity to him in a cemetery. I mean, that makes sense. She wrote Frankenstein. Right? <laughs> she would go and visit her mother's grave. And well, she was like, Mom, I want to share this moment with you. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. Um, yeah, no, but yes. <laughs> she would go to like her mother's grave often, I guess, would start bringing Percy to be like, this is my mom, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it's probably a myth or some kind of legend that she lost her virginity in a cemetery. I Well, okay. I can see it. You know why. But I can kind of see because it too. She's like 15. Also, like, cemeteries in the UK are not that creepy. Like, I feel like here, at least, like, current cemeteries are like these giant fields of whatever. But back then, it was probably like the local church cemetery. There's like 40 bodies next to the church buried. Right. It's like... It's like losing your virginity in a garden, you know? Exactly. That's kind of what I was, like, picturing, you know? And it's like, oh, it's this beautiful sunny day. And it's, ugh. I mean, hopefully not in broad daylight. I Well, <laughs> but here's the thing. Would she be, being like a 15, 16-year-old girl, would her dad really let her even just go to her mom's grave at night? Or in the evening? Well, I think the early hours of the morning. In the, in the wee hours! <laughs> At twilight. Um, so she does the dirty. She, yeah. And he's still married. And he's married. So not long after that, she uh, decides to run off with him. But she takes her stepsister with her. Claire Claremont. Which she's also called Jane. I don't know why. I learned multiple <laughs> things. Like, Wikipedia was like, her name is Claire, but then I would go and, like, look at, like, Reddit or something else, and it would be, her name is Jane, but it's the same stepsister. Okay. So maybe it's a middle name. I'm not really sure. Claire Claremont. So Mary, Claire, and Percy run off together. Why do you take your stepsister with your married um, lover? Um, so that you... So that people don't know what you're doing. Oh, that's the like, point. Like, you know, back then women always had to have a chaperone. Right. So it's like, well. Uh, well, I don't think anybody was really like, oh my gosh, I wonder what they're doing. Because within no time at all, Mary starts to show that she's pregnant. She got pregnant, like, but pretty much right away. But for people in their hometown, it's like, oh, Mary's off traveling with her sister. With Claire. And they don't know. Yeah. You know? I don't know. So... They run off to France. They travel through Europe. Uh, within a very short amount of time, Mary comes back with, still with Percy. He's still married. Um, and his wife eventually dies, right? Because she, she commits suicide. Okay. She commits suicide. Also, another myth though is William kills her. Papa went and killed her. Yeah, right. What would be the point of that? Well, it's said that William Godwin. They started out having a great relationship, he and Percy. 
but William had a thousand debts, a thousand creditors, and was actually, and there's record that Percy was giving him money. He then got pissed, of course, when he ran off with his daughter, pretty much disowned her, but he stepped, He needed the money still. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he was pissed, not going to, like, do really anything about it, disowned, but also wants the money to keep coming. The money kind of stops coming in within a very short amount of time. Harriet, who is Percy Shelley's wife, kills herself, and also William Godwin is, like super bankrupt going to debtor's prison awesome so i don't see why he would kill her though uh i think it was to give like legitimacy to the relationship that mary this is what the you know the myth the scandal that he would kill her to give legitimacy to mary and percy's relationship and to their kids so he wouldn't be born a bastard Mm, so then they could get married yeah I see. So, lots going on there. I mean, I could see both being true because also, like, you know, if your husband just ran off with a 16-year-old. Right? That would definitely put me into a depression. No joke. So, they have their first baby uh, in 1815. She's a girl, two months early, premature, and... uh, passes away they had a very interesting relationship she had multiple miscarriages as they were together and really they were only together until 1822 when he died drowning in a boating accident Hmm. so really they get together and really her husband or her dad pushed him overboard and killed him too no i'm just yes (laughs) The dad comes back. So I love how there, there's all of this history, but it's really just from 1814 only to 1822. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're so old and so different. They were five and a half years apart. Yeah. I don't see the huge scandal in that, but he was married. The scandal. I think that's what makes it the scandal. Yeah. So the thing about their relationship that I found pretty odd is they had a very open relationship even though it was clear that mary never really had any other lovers than him she had a close friend uh that was friends with percy his last name was hog h-o-g-g um and she would just always call him my dearest hog (laughs) um and it seemed like Percy was always trying to say, like, oh, you could have a relationship with him. You could have a relationship with him. And she's all like, no, we're just going to be friends. Thomas Jeffrey Hogg. Um, where Percy was off always having another relationship. It's even said that he had a relationship with Claire for a while. Uh, the stepsister that traveled with them. I mean, I don't think that's awesome. that odd because, you know hooked up with her when he was married so she's probably like well it's either let him do what he wants or he leaves me because that's what he did to his other wife right it's just kind of i don't know sad to me at least uh so but also claire becomes the mistress to lord byron Ooh, nice yeah so and they're close friends percy and mary lord byron 
knocks up Claire. Uh, and in the summer of 1816, they travel all to Geneva, where they're staying in a house with all those people and a young physician named John William Polidori. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, they rent this villa. They're staying there. And that is where the idea for Frankenstein was um, kind of brought about. That's what I remember of, once again, taking it back to the glory days of sophomore year. <laughs> Sitting in Mrs. Patch's English class. Um, we talked about Frankenstein. You know, they all got together. They're sitting around. They want to entertain themselves. So they're all telling each other German ghost stories. And then they decide that they're going to have a competition. And that Byron proposes that they each write a ghost story. Uh, so People they were really bored before TV. Right? <laughs> Gosh, I mean, number one, I can totally get like, okay, let's get around and have story time but then to be like okay let's now get together and write yeah. our own stories <laughs> no thank you i don't know i mean you watch there's gonna be some family out there that's listening to our great and they're podcast. gonna be like this is a great idea <laughs> let's do that christmas if time. you become famous because you listen to our podcast and wrote a story with your family you know send it to yeah, us send it to us we can't Let guarantee we'll read it but <laughs> but you know but it'll be worth it. Maybe give us a percentage of your royalties. <laughs> we are not against it. Uh, so they write about it. They write each of their own little stories. They're simple little drafts that they bring, but nobody's was really all that quote unquote great, you know. Um, Mary, it took her a really long time to come up with what she was going to do, but she said that they had been um, reading some uh, information about galvanism, and that is the like the use of electricity current in like a body or a dead body to mm. see like the muscle spasm um that was like a new thing going through the waves of europe why <laughs> i don't like it weird things were popular back then right so uh she says that she was unable to sleep one night and she comp- uh, became possessed by her imagination and she said, I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together. I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out and then on the working of some powerful engine show signs of life and stir with an uneasy half vital motion. That just seems like such a description for like 3 a.m. Anyway, she starts writing Frankenstein. She has her first publication in 1818, and then she went around to make some differences and changes in 1923 and 1931. So we have all these changes to it. The big thing that I guess I kind of wanted to take away, I didn't even really want to focus completely on Frankenstein, but I mean, how can you not? Because it's the thing that we know about (laughs) her. She has other novels, but of course, like, nobody knows them. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So it kind of goes to show, but when she writes Frankenstein, she's only 19. Mm. And so people don't believe still that she wrote it. They think Percy did. I mean, have they read it? It's not like it's that great. I mean, it's good, but it's not like... I don't know. (laughs) See, like, and this is the thing that then just kind of launched me into some other directions. She... 
loses their first baby. She loses their second baby at three years old. The third one also passes. Weren't they only together for like five years? Right? The third one passes after the second one is born. And or the second one is born, lives to be three. They have their third. He dot the second one dies, the third one dies, and then finally the their last son is the only surviving heir. Um and I like so, that you called him the heir. The heir. <laughs> well, I mean You've I guess watching too much Downton. <laughs> too much Downton Abbey. But uh, well, yeah, no, it's true. Too many like boys, <laughs> we need an heir. And um also just that the, like the namesake, right? Yeah. I guess. Or too much Downton Abbey. Uh, so the thing that just kind of led me to question, and I guess I want your input, is do you think she wrote it? Um, yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I don't know. Did you, Have you read Frankenstein? I The thing about it that me, like for me, I thought was like pretty, it is pretty pretty elevated writing i mean and it has so many deep concepts just so many literary themes but i don't think that that's like out of this world for her i mean considering who her parents were like yeah her mom was like bringing her to political marches when she was like two you know like i just feel like right or not her mom her dad her mom died but you know like i feel like i could see it I think... The and no offense, but have you read anything by Percy Shelley? I don't really think that he could be, like... Yeah. I've read nothing by Percy Shelley, so I have no idea. Okay, I, I just... I don't feel like he's, like, any... Great poet. Great, like, greater than, you know, anyone else. So I... I yeah, I mean, I guess I just started to read a little bit. I went back and read a little bit of Frankenstein and just was kind of realizing that it's, like, this tormented being with so much feeling and which she's super tormented well yeah and i mean she's talked about you know she's been a mother three times in this loss of life multiple times and uh as i was reading through uh things of course just on the internet you know i was talking about how she felt like this is what men get when they try to take a woman out of the equation of of birth of life um her mom was a feminist Mm -hmm. but also i think she felt like a smidge of i don't want to say a failure because that sounds like terrible for women that and here's the thing she even had kids that lived but still just because of the time and age i mean it wasn't still surprising that you could lose your three-year-old you know yeah um she just felt like she wasn't worthy of creation like her motherhood never was like fulfilled because she kept losing her children and even though she created a monster so she created frankenstein it was only and in frankenstein you know it's never frankenstein isn't the monster you know it's just frankenstein is the scientist you know we always just call it the creature monster demon wretch uh fiend or it um but with her trying to create something, I feel like she plays, it's almost her persona in both the creature in the monster and also in Dr. Frankenstein. Trying to create something, bring something to life, 
he was a female hater, uh, just all of these different yeah. weird aspects, and then bringing into the monster who has so much feeling and says, you know, I've tried to be friends with people, but it slips away from me because I'm not, I'm not the same. Um, just really, I thought it was pretty dang deep for a 19-year-old. So I guess it got me kind of questioning. No, it pisses me off when people question stuff like that because literally, like every woman, in but the they're 17th, not talking gender. I'm just no, saying. No, age. but I'm just saying every woman in like the 1800s and 1900s who wrote a book whose husband was also an author. Everyone always thinks That's that their true. husband wrote it, and he's like you said, he's like what five years older yeah. than her. He's clearly very immature. He's sleeping around with everyone. Like right. I just don't think you can say that he's like gonna be so much more deep than she is when right. she at least has the like background family history of like geniuses in her family <laughs> right um i mean and her parents were not just like weird hippie people like no offense you know granola people that live in the mountains that are all like oh we're just gonna teach you all this weird stuff i mean they were pretty legit people i mean aaron burr came and visited them they had like samuel taylor come and visit like just people from the u.s would come and visit them to just get their ideas uh so i mean she definitely had like a really good upbringing so i don't know i just wanted to play devil's advocate a little bit and see what your thoughts were i think i think she wrote it it's just incredible to me that a 19 year old could have so much emotion and so much she that's not incredible to me because to i say feel it so like, eloquently yeah but i also feel like a lot of times, like, you read people's work from when they were y younger, like, authors that have been, like, writing for years, yeah. when they were younger, it is just so much more, like, well-written and, like, eloquent and stuff just because they're, like, young and fresh and they have all these emotions and, like, you know, as you get I mean, older. <laughs> there's a creativity in just her, in the darkness. Like, I don't understand. That is just something to me that... She's originator, I think, of this, like, gothic novel genre, but also just where did it come from? I mean, her mom was a feminist, yes, was doing her own thing, but there just seems to be so much unsettling, like, within the family. The half-sister that her dad was taking care of after Percy's wife, Harriet, kills herself, so does her half-sister. Mm. See, that's why she's so dark. <laughs> right? And I mean, she, I think also just, I don't know, of course, how to say it eloquently, but she did have, she ended up dying of a brain tumor. So I'm kind of wondering if, like, when did that develop and if that mm -hmm. kind People of... People can have brain tumors for, like, 15 years and not even know. Right? And I'm kind of wondering if it distorted something in her mind. Because... Her last years weren't that great. She suffered from many headaches and uh, being kind of paralyzed in certain parts of her body. She uh, then was buried. And uh, I found something really cool. So she, she died February 1 of 1851 at the age of only 53. Um, she's buried at St. Peter's Church in Bournemouth. She's laid to rest with the cremated remains of her late husband's heart. So that's not that weird. Really? Yeah, and I will, I'll explain why that happened in a minute, because I know why 
It's a gross. I mean, I've heard of like certain musicians that would bury their bodies, but have their hearts like sent to a different place to be buried saying like their heart belonged in that country or whatever. But I've never heard of, I mean, her husband died many, many ages no, ago. No, I'm going to explain it. Like I'm literally explaining <laughs> that it in, in, a my, box? in my story. This is why this happened. After <laughs> her death, her son Percy and the daughter-in-law that he eventually married, Jane, and then took Mary Shelley's parents out of their cemetery in London and then have them move to Bournemouth so that they're all together one big happy family. But it's all about death and this disruption of like bodies and, and oh, it just made me, I, the more I read, the more, number one, confused I got because everybody had another name. <laughs> Claire is Jane and everybody, there's babies that were born only for a little bit of time and their names are all similar. Um, just an interesting, odd life, dark. The husband that can't seem to be without her, but also can't keep it out of his pants with other ladies. That she's loyal, but kind of has these like little flirtations with other men. Lord Byron is she in the picture. Was just doing it to like make him jealous, right. since he was like sleeping around. You Maybe know? <laughs> like, Lord Byron's in the picture that knocks up her half sister. They make all this dark poetry and then dark novels her husband dies the following year she makes revisions to frankenstein to like kind of bring that in more of this dark death black i don't know it just what an interesting woman from day one i think <laughs> she was like destined to be i just want her to look like wednesday from the adams family no, right. we should we should look at we'll post a picture. <laughs> we'll post a picture. Instagram. That is my my offering. I bring you Mary Shelley and why Frankenstein kinda ended up the way it did. I feel like I need to reread it. Yeah. Audiobook I mean, it. I read it in like sixth grade. I went through this really weird phase in sixth grade where I I literally read all the classic books. I read all of Charles Dickens, I read all of Jane Austen, I read like Frankenstein, Dracula and everything. But like I was clearly way too young. I to think get I was still anything. reading the Bernstein Bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I've been rereading them all as an adult because like yeah. you know, like when I read Pride and Prejudice, I freaking hated it because I was eleven. Right. <laughs> and then no, as so like true. a seventeen year old, I was like, This is amazing, you know, so like I just need to get back into all of that. Yeah, stuff. I wanna check it out again and just kind of revisit. Of course I did the whole just looking it up on like spark notes <laughs> and kind of going like what happens again and I was all like oh yeah I remember not wanting to read this because I was like what does it matter that you find this guy in the north like north pole like <laughs> and that he's gonna tell you this story about his creature and he ran away from it and I don't know it's just weird but reread Frankenstein Mary Shelley the dark feminist woman that she is <laughs> okay tell okay. me tell me how long have we been talking <laughs> a while <laughs> i just want to know if i should try to be fast or not 35 minutes okay <laughs> all right so i'm talking about thomas hardy which i feel like it's really weird because he i only know him from his novels mm -hmm. but apparently he he thought of himself his whole life as a poet which i was like 
when did you write poetry, Thomas Hardy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Very weird, right? So, okay, we'll start at the beginning. So he was born in Hire, Hire Bockhampton, Dorset, on June 2nd in 1840. He was the oldest son of Thomas Hardy and Jemima Hardy. I just wanted to say that because I like the name Jemima. I just want syrup. Yeah. So his father was a stonemason and a builder. And his mom, it just said, was a lover of books. And so that's why he, like, loved books. Yeah. Um, so he basically, like, this is, like, way countryside. So he grew up, like, with a really rural life, which mm-hmm. is why so many of his books are, like, prominently, like, rural yeah. England. Um, he went to school until he was 16. And then he went to an apprenticeship with John Hicks, who was a local architect, which... Makes sense because his dad was a builder. Um, so at, when he's 22 in 1862, um, he leaves for London to work in the office of some other architect. So when he's in London, that's kind of where he like gets even more into writing. Because he had, he'd started writing when he was like 17. He wrote for years. He sent out some manuscripts, and they were rejected. Okay. Um, at one point, he wanted to be a minister, but he didn't have enough money to go be a minister. Which... Wait, you have to have money to become a minister? Well, at that time, you had to go to university. Oh. So he, okay. he didn't have enough money for that. So um... Also, pause. Is this also the age where you almost had to like be a part of the parish, like... Like, your family had to live in a certain area, and that's, like, the only church that you could take? Or could you go anywhere? Oh, no. So, back then, I mean, you'd go to the church in your area, but Mm -hmm. really, the person who was signed, who's, like, the parish church person, Mm -hmm. is, like, the lord or lady of the area. So, like, you could go anywhere, but you'd have to, like, be given that assignment. Yeah, Got it. Um, So... So, yeah, so he had, like, written, and he wanted to be a minister, but he decided not to, so he just kept on with the architecture. Um, so he worked in London for a few years, uh, and that didn't really work out. So he got sent back to his hometown. Um, and so while he's there, he's, like, still writing, because, I don't know, I guess he didn't like being an architect. <laughs> but he's, like, trying to write. Um, he finally... Building is hard. Yeah, he was just... <laughs> he just kept getting rejected, but there was one editor who rejected him but was like, you know, I, I think you're good. Like, I'm rejecting mm-hmm. this, but you should keep trying, like, you know, refine your style, whatever. So, anyway, while this is all happening, in 1870, he sent to go begin a restoration project of a church in Cornwall. So when he's there, he meets his first wife, Emma Lavinia Gifford. So, when they met, it's 1870, she really encourages his writing. Okay. Um, so, she's kind of, so, like, I guess he's he's kind of like lower class, you know, like mm-hmm. his dad was a builder and stuff, and she's a little bit higher class than him, and okay. so... Married up, got some yeah, money. Yeah, and so that's kind of maybe I think why she encouraged his writing, because writing was like a more, like, fancy... At least it's career. romantic, yeah, you yeah. know, if you're going to work at something. Yeah, so like after he... So he knew her for two years, and in 1872, his... For his... No, and after one year of knowing her, his first novel is published. And then in 1872, a second novel is published. So then he quits architecture just to write. Yeah. So um, after so after they know each other for four years, they get married. So 
I read different things. It's been about a, time. A lot of things that I read were that he was like obsessed with her, and so the, and like she didn't want him, and that's why it took so long to get married. But then mm-hmm. I read other things that were like he was just like blah blah in his writing land, and she had to force him. So I don't know. So how old are, is he? About when they get married, would you say? So let's see. I mean, he's I love like, asking you questions that he's you haven't prepared for. Thirty-two. Okay. Oh, Lord knows I've dated enough 30-year-old men that have no idea what they want in life. So I feel like back then, though, that's, like, pretty old. Yeah, right? (laughs) So, so yeah, so it's funny. So what happens is he's 32. He looks a lot older than he is. So she thinks when when they meet, she thinks that he's a lot older than he is. Okay. But she is only one year younger than him. She's 31. But when they meet, she looks super young. So he thinks she's a lot younger than she is. <laughs> so, like, they're both a little disappointed. I don't know. Um, so their marriage, so they never have any kids. Okay. Their marriage is very unhappy, oh. partially due to lack of children. But this is the thing that is a little bit funny. There's a lot of speculation as to whether or not they ever actually had sex. Really? So it's possible that that's why they had no kids. Oh, wait, so they never, so like, that's consummated like, the marriage? Yeah, yeah, That's, like, on the, like, he's super obsessed with her, and she finally agrees to marry him because she's getting old. Yeah. But then she's like, well, I'm married now, but you're not good enough for me, so we're not going to have any kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can't have sex. Um, yeah. So, yeah. anyway. Womp womp. Back to his career. <laughs> so, he, so after he leaves his career as an architect, he gets a contract for doing, like, monthly installments of a story which is that's what everybody mm-hmm. did back then you know um and he got kind of a reputation as being like a good new novelist and so he was able to actually support their family um he so that his next novel in 1874 was far from the mad maddening madding crowd which uh, is what everybody's and i always trip over that one i'm like maddening no it's just madding <laughs> yeah crowd, yeah right? <laughs> um and so and then he writes uh Return of the Native, Mayor of Casterbridge, Tess of the Durbervilles. Um, I think he wrote some other stuff. Those are all ones mm-hmm. I read, so that's what I cared about. Um, yeah, no, of course. So, so at then, least I've read some of those. <laughs> yeah. So in 1895, he publishes Jude the Obscure. Um, did you read that? I have. Okay, so his wife tries to get that book banned. <laughs> Really? Because basically, and he admits this, is that like that book is basically him attacking marriage laws of the time. Like, Well, I know it was like a banned book for a while in Europe. Really? Just have yeah, my eye. Because he's like, because he's attacking, I mean, all his books kind of attack like Victorian sensibilities yeah. and they have like illegitimate children and immoral sex and whatever. But like, this is one where he specifically is like, if you're not happy, you should be able to get divorced. And, like, yeah. you know, and so clearly his wife, who's in the unhappy marriage with him, is like, <laughs> You bastard. This, this book is horrible. Um, anyway, there was, so there was, like, all this debate about Jude the Obscure and Tess and, um, and you know, and people are trying to ban it or whatever. So he gets so discouraged by the criticism of his books that he decides never to write another novel. Oh my gosh, that's so... Right. I'm going to say something, but it would be so sexist. Why is that sometimes certain people of certain genders, they're all like, no, fine, I don't get to do what I want to do anymore because nobody liked it. Yeah, I know. That's ridiculous. So that's when he decides he's a poet. Throws his temper tantrum. (laughs) Which, yeah, which I don't even think, I don't even think he was writing poems before this. So this is like 20 years 
23 years into being a published novelist. Novelist. And he's got, he's very successful, (laughs) and then he suddenly is like, no, I'm a poet. Nobody likes me. (laughs) So, so for the rest of his life, he only wrote short stories, poems, and plays. Um, He was very prolific. Mm -hmm. He wrote like 900 poems. He had a lot of volumes of verse come out. He had a lot of things to say that nobody read. Yeah. So so then this is funny. So in 1912, his wife dies, Emma. After, it says, after ending 20 years of domestic estrangement. So two years after that, he marries Florence Emily Dugdale. So, um, which, oh, I didn't write it down. But basically, so he's in his 70s, she's in her 30s. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And supposedly, <laughs> supposedly they started a relationship while his wife was still okay. alive. But then I'm like, then why did it take them two years to get married after she died? Yeah, that's a good point. So that I don't know. Hmm. Um, but Did she, they have children? No. <laughs> okay. But so. I don't want to think of 70-year-olds doing it. it <laughs> I mean, they probably still did. Well, I don't know. Well, if now he never the his arch, maybe. <laughs> Um, but so, okay, interesting thing about her, this is only, her only interesting thing, she is <laughs> Bram Stoker's sister-in-law. Oh, okay. So, you know, Frankenstein and Dracula, we're bringing it all we're bringing kind it, of together. Kind of I don't know. know. <laughs> Long way. Um, so anyway, but when they're married, she's very insecure because his poems that he's writing are, like, all about how much he loves his first wife. What? <laughs> yeah. So she's like super upset and, and even so he like oh. you know they have like calendars around the house. He has one calendar that he keeps on March seventh, the day he met his first wife. But he didn't like her. They had a very tempestuous relationship, but apparently after she died, he rem- remembered her fondly. Oh jeez. Yeah. I love that you just used the word tempestuous. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm going to explain to you about the heart thing. Tell me about the heart so, thing, because I was definitely disturbed. Have you been to Westminster Abbey? I have. Okay, so you know they have like the author's corner, the poet's mm-hmm. corner, whatever. So back then, if basically if they decided that you were prolific enough to be married, to be buried there, mm-hmm. you just had to be, even though you didn't want to be. So okay. in this case, in Thomas Hardy's case, um, he they buried his body in the Westminster Abbey poet's corner, but because he wanted to be buried by his first wife and at the graves of his ancestors, uh-huh. they took his heart there to be buried. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure that I've seen Percy's Shelley in Westminster Abbey. Oh. So I think that's probably also what happened, is like they okay. put his body at Westminster Abbey, and then they were like, well, he wants to be buried with his family, so his heart will be over there. Yeah, and if it's not, no one correct this to us. Yeah. Percy Shelley's body is in Westminster Abbey. I'm pretty Abbey. sure that's okay. what happened. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so, yeah, so his heart, it's kind of funny. Thomas Hardy's heart, he died in 1928. He has, we'll post this on Instagram, he has a like, gravestone that just says, here lies the heart of Thomas Hardy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, his second wife died, I think, like 10 years later, which is weird because she was so much younger than him. Yeah. Um, and she was also buried near her husband, but. But just next to her husband's. Heart, though, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. She didn't make it. Into, she wasn't invited into uh, Westminster Abbey, but yeah. So that's that's Thomas Hardy's story. Thomas Hardy, you tempestuous man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, weirdos, weird people, authors and artists usually are. Yeah. So I mean, 
What you gonna do? Yeah, it's like not as weird as you would think. I don't know. <laughs> the more I was reading about Mary Shelley, like I thought, okay, it's a teenage girl. She wrote this like twisted story. You know, we all have an imagination. No, this was like her life. Every time I turned around, I was all like, oh, <laughs> there's a murky taste in my mouth. <laughs> Everything is the color black. Um. Okay, well, this has been fun. I'm glad that we talked about authors. Yeah, we actually got through their lives okay. I mean, there's there's more twists and turns we could have stopped with. But... Right, we had <laughs> talked about it, and I thought, you know, when we said, like, it would just take us too long to go through their entire lives. I feel like we did both the, the right thing. A little bit of history, a little bit of... Here's like the main meat and then a wrap up. They died. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's good. <laughs> yeah. Also, as I was looking for Mary Shelley, I guess just last month, they released it in the United States. I don't know when it was uh, like made or when it was released everywhere else, but there's a Mary Shelley movie out now that now mm. I kind of want to watch. Interesting. Yeah. It's about her life. It's about, you know, uh, the making of every uh, Frankenstein, her relationship with Percy, the relationship with her family. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 33%, so they did not like it. Um, but it has Elle Fanning as Mary Shelley, which I thought oh. was kind of appropriate yeah. because they kind of look, she has such like a young looking face. And the chick from... Two things, two of our favorites, uh, Game of Thrones, Maisie Williams in it. Oh, I like her. And then the girl that plays in Downton Abbey, the girl that plays Anne is in it. Joanne oh, Bogat, yeah, yeah. the one that's usually blonde, but yeah. in this she looks like they put her in a, like a brunette wig or something. So we should check that out. That sounds good. I can Let's watch that. that. Let's do that. Okay, so... Thanks for joining our podcast today. Yes. We're a little more somber talking about death and destruction. No, we're just talking about authors' lives. Why are their lives so sad? I don't, I don't know. know. It's the way it happens. We need to have sadder lives so we can be successful authors. Right? Or, yeah. Or just not try to become successful Let's authors. just not be yeah. sad. Okay. Let's try to stay happy okay. and positive. Listen to our podcast and that will make us happy. Yeah. <laughs> so check us out on the Twitter, Instagram. You can send us an email to londonfogpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be updating the social media. And I feel like we're slowly getting better and better at this. We can't wait yes. to hear from you guys. And... Just remember to, I don't know, keep calm and keep caffeinated or something. Yeah, please. Please, please do, do that. <laughs> Have another cup on us. Okay, cheers, guys. Bye, cheers. <laughs>